What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What's up, guys? This is Dave, and welcome to episode 33 of the Mike and Dave Podcast. It's a big one today. We're going to be breaking down part one of our 2021 NBA tier list. Uh, So we're going to be doing the no shots and the long shots uh, this episode. So looking forward to that. And of course, we've got all the other segments that you've come to know and love. Um, And of course, that starts off with the off the top. It's Mike's turn to come up with a prompt for this week. Mike, what do we have? Hey, everyone. This is Mike. And if you were watching the news and sports in the past week or two, then you saw Damian Lillard's contract extension. And if you're anything like me, your first thought after seeing that may have been, damn, that's a lot of money. Two years, $122 million. And for those listening at home without calculators, that's $61 million a year. And Dave, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that salary. And with a little bit of like guidance for that, Damian Lillard has been the guy that's like been, you know, I want to stick with Portland. You know, I want to be loyal to the team. I also want to like pursue this championship and bring a championship home. Portland has failed to build a team around Damian Lillard. The NBA has a salary cap. We've seen players like Tom Brady in the NFL like take pay cuts so that his team can build a better team around him. James Harden has restructured his deal for this upcoming season so that the 76ers can do it. Do you think Lillard is under some sort of like unwritten obligation to do something like that? Or do you think it's just like, nah, get your money, you earned it? Well, I'll say Brady and Harden are definitely different situations. Brady, like, he's married to an extremely rich model. And so, like, he doesn't even really need the money. Harden massively underperformed his contract last year. And so, like, I'm sure, like, some of it has to do with, like, team building or whatever. But a lot of it's just, like, yeah. You you need to prove yourself uh, in order to get another big deal. For Lillard, I mean, go ahead and get your money, man. Like, it's not like the Blazers were really going to be able to add anybody crazy anyway. Like... For me, when you're, I didn't even realize that contracts could get that expensive in the NBA. Like, I thought like 40 something million or like maybe like 50 million would be like the max, but no, apparently you can make over 60 per year. And when I thought that the max was like 40, why wouldn't you take that contract? Why wouldn't you say, you know what, I'm going to make $61 this year? $61. I'm going to make $61 million this year. Yes, absolutely. Like I already know Portland's not going to go anywhere, so might as well cash in. Um, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast before on any of our NBA episodes, then you know that we both really like Damian Lillard. We think he's a great player. Portland's really let him down, blah, blah, blah. But like in this instance, I don't think that they were really going to compete anyway, so might as well get that money. Do you think it's disingenuous at all? for him to like sign that contract and then come back and talk about like how bad he wants to win when this seems to be like counterintuitive to that. 
No. I mean, if if you're like, if I'm Damian Lillard and they put a contract in front of me that says we're going to pay you $61 million this year and next year, I'm going to be like, all right, where do I sign? <laughs> to me, it's up to the Blazers to put together a competitive team. It's not up to Damian Lillard. I think that's fair. So you heard it here first, folks. Dave is not mad about the the Lillard contract. Get that money. We're talking about generational wealth here. You know, you're talking about over a tenth of a billion dollars in two years, <laughs> in addition to the money he's already made. So get that money. I think if anyone deserves it, it's Lillard. I mean, he's been putting out with crap his whole career. So, well, that's the main thing I want to talk about. Uh, with a salary like that, I mean, unprecedented in the NBA, $61 million in a year. We had to talk about it at some level, right? But when we come back, we're going to start reviewing our preseason 2021 NBA tier list. So stick around. All right, so the time has come to review the NBA tier list that we did before the season started. We did this with our NFL tier list. Now it's time to do it for the NBA. Personally, I love our tier list episodes. Uh, there's so much to talk about. And I was listening back on our NFL tier list, and I said something then that I'll say again now. On the Mike and Dave podcast, we're going to claim when we were right, and we will eat our crows when they come. And spoiler alert, there will be some of both in this episode and the next. As a refresher, when we did our preseason tier list, we sorted the teams into five categories. And so we're going to start with our bottom most category, the no shots. These are the teams we said they have no shot at winning this year. And the team that we said would be the worst, the bottom of the barrel in the NBA, was the Oklahoma City Thunder. Dave, how do you think we did with that one? I mean, pretty well. Uh, also, just to clarify, if you listen to our NFL, like when we reviewed our NFL tier list, we were able to say exactly how many places we were off because there's no lottery. Uh, we just were able to use the draft order to determine how far off we were. With the NBA, obviously, it's a lot different with the picks. So we're just going to kind of say this is kind of where they ended up. Um in the regular season and like if applicable in the playoffs and then just kind of say like, were they in the, the right tier? Like, did we put them in the right tier or the wrong tier type of thing? So for the thunder, definitely in the right tier. Uh, they didn't, they never had a shot of winning the finals this year. And they proved that, uh, I mean, they did a little better than last uh, there were a couple teams that had worse records, but not by a lot. I mean, they went 24 and 58. The important thing for the Thunder is that they just continued to stockpile all of these assets. Um, obviously, they had a really good draft, though that's kind of after the fact. But they saw some, you know, some really good play from a lot of their young players. I mean, Shea Gilchus Alexander, he didn't play a ton of games, uh, only 56. But I mean, in those games, he was effective, averaged over 24 points a game, six assists, um, a combined over two steals and blocks per game. So, like, I mean, he did uh, really well for him. Josh Giddy had a fairly successful rookie season, I think, for him. Uh, and, you know, they have a, a few other young players who, like I said, who they just drafted who are going to be coming in to kind of create more of that 
major core of theirs. Yeah, I'm looking at Lou Dort, 17.2 points a game. I mean, that's a good season for him uh, in the 51 games that he was able to play. But yeah, between him, Josh Giddy, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, none of them were able to play 60 games this year. Uh, the Thunder's offense was dead last in the NBA. So while their record wasn't the worst in the NBA, like we said it would be, their offense was. So there's that, I guess. Uh, defense, middle of the pack. And that's because, I mean, Shea Gilgis-Alexander has two-way talent. Lou Dort does. But they'll be definitely looking to take a step up this year. I mean, it's kind of hard to take a step back this year. So next up, we had the Houston Rockets. So the Rockets finished at 20-62. and 62. That's good or bad for the worst record in the NBA. We had them at 29. Uh, it's hard for us to do better than that. I mean, one spot off. They were primarily led by Christian Wood, whom they have since traded. Uh, Jalen Green, I mean, 17 points a game. Uh, on decent percentages, I'd say. They're still working through the Kevin Porter experiment. I think in his uh, 78 out of 82 games, Jay Sean Tate was pretty good. Um, Jay Sean Tate is never going to be like the star of that team, right? But it, if they can continue to develop him into like your th- typical like two-way wing, then he should be able to carve out a long NBA career. I mean, 26, he's not super young, but he's not that old either. But as I'm looking at this roster, like, there's a reason we said that they would not do well. And it's because they don't have much, many, like, solid veterans there. It was going to be a, a long, harsh learning experience for them. And it was. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, like you said, the Kevin Porter Jr. experiment continues. However, I will not hear any Kevin Porter Jr. slander because he clutched out in that the last few meaning or meaningless games of their season, meaningful games for our fantasy playoffs, and he ended up pulling me from the brink of elimination to win the championship. So, absolutely no KPJ slander allowed on this podcast. Uh, now, should he be a your starting point guard? Probably not. But like, <laughs> I think he definitely has a role on this team and in the NBA. Yeah, the Rockets, I mean, Jalen Green really had a disappointing first half. I was looking at him and I was like, dang, like this dude, even though he played in the G League, like he was not ready for prime time. But second half, he really turned it on, uh, started to play much more efficiently, fewer turnovers. Uh, I mean, he's still like definitely just going to be a guy who goes out there and gets you buckets. He's not going to be much of a facilitator. He's not going to be much of a threat on the defensive end but he can definitely light up the scoreboard uh, when he gets hot. I'm interested to see how this, you know, this Rockets team is going to look pretty similar to the Thunder in terms of just a whole bunch of really young guys just going super young, seeing how they go together, who ends up standing out, all of that. So they really both definitely deserve to be in the the no shots category. One more interesting thing about the Rockets. And we said the Thunder had the worst offense. They ended up at 30. The Rockets actually had the league's worst defense, and they end up at 29. So if you're the worst at one, it shows. Yeah, and they weren't just the worst defense. They were the worst defense by 
a large margin. Their opponents scored 118 points per game on 48% shooting. Like, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Um, so they definitely need to get some more defensive guys in there, which is why they drafted Tari Eason. It's why they drafted Jabari Smith. These are guys who can contribute immediately on the defensive end. So moving on to our next team, we had the Magic at coming in at number 28 in the no shots tier. And yeah, I mean, we were proven right by that. They had absolutely no shot of winning this year. They ended up having the 29th best record in the league. And, you know, there were definitely bright spots for him. Cole Anthony, after his rookie season, he did not look like he was going to do much, but he came on, uh, averaged 16 points, almost six assists per game, uh, was able to play most of the season. So he looked to be a, a bright spot for him, as well as Franz Wagner, who proved Mike, Mike wrong and um, a lot of people wrong who thought he wasn't, or he shouldn't have been drafted as high as he was. He had a, a, an all-rookie uh, team type season uh, for them. So they're going to definitely look at him as one of their foundational pieces moving forward. I mean, Jalen Suggs, another kind of underwhelming season for him, just like Cole Anthony had the year before him. Uh, but I believe in his talent. I think hopefully he'll be able to turn it on next year, uh, adding Paolo Bancaro to the mix. Magic team, the, the Magic are going to be a pretty interesting team to watch. Again, very, uh, very similar to these other teams that we've been talking about the rock is the thunder the magic are just another one of those teams that they've just got a lot of uh those young pieces a few older guys like a little bit more of a veteran presence but for the most part i mean it's mostly just a youth movement there so it'll be interesting to see how they continue um you know growing and and seeing if they can start developing a team that can start to compete when I look at the Magic season this past season, it just seems like a team that was searching for identity. And in my mind, that's got to be why they went ahead and grabbed Paulo Bancaro first overall instead of like, you know, Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren, which seem to be the two more commonly expected guys to go number one. If nothing else, Paulo has more like potential in terms of like giving him the ball, letting him run the offense. It, while Cole Anthony did step up in, in his sophomore season, He's he doesn't really inspire that much hope that he can be like your point guard for the future. Jalen Suggs, maybe he has a better sophomore season next year than what he had this year. But yeah, it just seems a little discombobulated. I mean, Franz Wagner's gotta be the bright spot to me because I don't know how great of a supporting piece Cole Anthony can turn out to be, but Based on his rookie season alone, Franz Wagner can kind of slip into an NBA lineup uh, without having to be like the star, without having to have, without having to have the ball in his hands. And so, I guess there's potential there. But yeah, uh, as we, along with pretty much everyone else, expected, not a good season for the Magic. But what are you gonna do? Now, moving on to number twenty-seven, and this is the first one where we were pretty off, I would say. We had the Cleveland Cavaliers at number 27. And, you know, there were a lot of questions before the season about how this Cavaliers team was going to fit together. Darius Garland and Colin Sexton always been kind of a weird partnership in that backcourt. They had Jared Allen. They drafted Evan Mobley. They got Laurie Markinen. Like, 
And they still had Kevin Love on their roster. Like, what are they going to do with all of these big men? Are they going to be able to play all of them at the same time? A lot of questions, but it ended up working for them. They ended up going 44 and 38. They did not quite make the playoffs. They lost to the Atlanta Hawks in the last game of the play-in to miss out. But still, I think we disrespected them a bit by putting them below a few of these other teams that are going to be in no shots and long shots. So, uh, you know, shout out to the Cavaliers. Shout out to Darius Garland. I mean, he came out of nowhere to have an amazing season for him, an all-star season for him. I mean, 21.7 points per game, eight and a half assists over a steal per game. I mean, he was very, very impressive, took that leap. And it's interesting, like after Colin Sexton's injury, he really took off and just kind of showed the Cavaliers that like, hey, we don't really need Colin Sexton. Like Darius Garland's our main guard. Like he's our guy. And Jared Allen, Markinen, Mobley, Kevin Love, they all managed to fit together somehow and play really well. I mean, Evan Mobley, one, definitely one of the top three rookies in the league. Uh, he had a great season. Uh, Jared Allen, I mean, unfortunately he got injured. Um, so he only played 56 games, but in those games, he played really well, averaged a double, double. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, the Cavaliers, definitely a team that seemed to be on the rise and all of their players are, are still pretty young. I mean, obviously other than like Kevin Love, but for the most part, their, their core of those players are all pretty young and, uh, but not too young. I feel like they've they've got a decent amount of experience now. And I mean, Mobley came in and it was like he wasn't even a rookie. So uh, definitely should have been a little higher, probably more in the hopefuls rather than in the no shots, which kind of sucks. But let's be honest, they weren't going to win the championship this year. So in some way you could say, well, they really didn't have a shot. So you could say that they were a no shots, but that's not really how it works. So I'll hold my hands up. I thought the Cavaliers were going to have a much worse season. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do uh, in the next couple seasons with this core that they've built. Oh, for sure. I mean, Darius Garland definitely stepped up. The main thing that I want to add to what you're saying, shout out JB Bickerstaff. Uh, Fantastic job coaching that team. Um, Primarily made up of young guys, like you said. Now, what's interesting is the Cavs did not have that efficient of an offense. Uh, Bottom 10 and in a lot of offensive categories as a team, but a top five defense. Of course, when you have Jared Allen, uh, for whatever games he plays, I mean, he played 56 games for him. He's the type of player, not quite to the same level of Rudy Gobert, but in the same kind of way, he's going to make your team's defense better by himself. But I'm just also looking at like Darius Garland's defense. I'm looking at like Isaac Okoro. Like this team played defense well as a unit. And that I think was a huge factor in getting to that 44 and 38 record. So definitely surprising to see how well they did. Um, Probably belong in that long shots category. So with both the NFL and NBA tier lists, we uh, underestimated a team from Ohio. And I don't think it's any secret how I feel about that state. So I'm not going to apologize too much for it, but whatever. Next up, we have a team from a state that I do like, the Detroit Pistons. It's kind of weird that we said the Pistons would be better than the Cavs anyway, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, they did. They had just drafted Cade Cunningham, so yeah. we were excited <laughs> like, about that. 
Then I, we were like, oh, he'll drag them kicking and screaming to some wins, right? Uh, some, I guess, but some is kind of generous for the uh, 14th best team in the East. Uh, 23 and 59. They won just over a quarter of their games. Now, there were some bright spots. Not many. Uh, Sadiq <laughs> Bay dropping 50. I was like, uh, I was like, go on. <laughs> Isaiah Stewart showing some tenacity. Cade Cunningham <laughs> was among the best rookies in the NBA, as we expected him to be. I'm I'm done. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, it's not it's not easy for me to go on and on about the good things the Pistons are up to. Uh one of the worst offenses in the league, one of the worst defenses in the league. The, the total package. They had a good draft. So <laughs> hopefully they'll be, you know, their, their roster will improve and they're going to be improving into next year. But yeah, I mean, Pistons did not have the talent. Obviously, Jeremy Grant missing uh, not quite half the season, but close. Did not help. I mean, when he played, he was good for him, but not... I mean, about what we expected from the Pistons. We put them 26th in the no-shots category. They had no shot. They did not have a good season. Moving on to number 25, and this is the the best of the no-shots. We had the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, we got to give the Timberwolves some credit. They won the finals. Oh, wait, just kidding. It was just the play-in tournament. Um, but they celebrated like it was the finals. Um, don't tell Beverly that. Yeah. And then, and then they shipped his ass out after that. I was like, damn. Um, anyways. Yeah. Timberwolves. I mean, they had a good season. 46 and 36. I I think we probably just put them in the no shots because they had underperformed for so long with, you know, with that core, with towns, you know, Anthony Edwards, still a good player, but like, he hadn't really shown that he could take that next step yet. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is—he's one of those forgotten guys. That like, yeah, he's good, but I mean, I don't really care that much, you know. <laughs> um, probably could have put them in the long shots. Maybe the hopefuls. This next season will be really interesting. That's for sure. Timberwolves are going to be one of the most interesting teams to to watch as a neutral, just to see how that's all going to shake out. With that the big trade they made and all that, but. Yeah, I mean, Timberwolves, they definitely exceeded my expectations and probably a lot of other people's expectations. I mean, they were literally number one in offense as a team. Like, we could not have anticipated that that jump. I mean, they have a lot of talented offensive players, but they were finally able to put it all together. So, shout out to them for that. Uh, it'll be interesting now. I mean, the addition of Gobert really helped that 24-ranked defense as well. So uh, definitely a, a team to watch out for next season. But in terms of our tier list, we definitely kind of missed the mark on that one. I mean, one stat that's catching my eye with the Timberwolves is how well they shot from the, from three-point range as a team. I mean, just going down their roster, Towns, 41%. Anthony Edwards, 36%. D'Angelo Russell, 34 Malik Beasley, 38. Like, they were letting it fly with pretty good efficiency. And on that note, one of the biggest surprises of the season, at least in my mind, was Carl Anthony Towns winning the three-point contest. Like, 
I don't, I'm just looking at like, what are they doing in Minnesota up there? Like all of them learning how to shoot all of a sudden before y'all come at me. I know that Carl Anthony Towns has been shooting, but you know what I'm getting at? Like the whole team is doing well. Uh, and between Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, having two guys combining for about 46 points a game, like, th- that's pretty good. Yet they, uh, their defense last year needed all the help that it could get. And so it makes sense that they went with Gobert. Who knows how that's going to look. But yeah, from like you said, from a neutral perspective, we'll definitely be looking to see how that works out, if it can. But that'll finish out our no-shot category, which brings us to the next rung up on the ladder, the long shots. And the bottom team that we had in this category, the longest of long shots, was the San Antonio Spurs. We figure, if you have Greg Popovich, it would just be disrespectful to put you in no-shot. And the main... takeaway was the performance of DeJounte Murray, which we can comfortably celebrate here in Atlanta now that he'll be joining our Hawks. Uh, We've talked about DeJounte Murray before on this podcast, but absolute breakout year for him, uh, making the all-star team, uh, tremendous stats across the board, having been given the reins, like be that guy, and he stepped up to the plate. He did it. Uh, By did it, I mean like for himself, not necessarily that like the team saw a bunch of success. I mean, they missed the playoffs for a reason. Yeah, I mean, he did lead them to the eighth best offense uh, with him at the, you know, pulling the strings. But yeah, overall, a disappointing year for sure. I mean, the Spurs had a few other players who had good seasons. I mean, Keldon Johnson continued his development uh, into a pretty good player 17 points a game for him pretty solid Jakob Pertl continues to do his thing down low they really didn't get too much from their young guards though like Devin Vassell Lonnie Walker like they just didn't really get enough from those guys so yeah I mean it's interesting now especially with that DeJounte Murray trade the Spurs are really banking on all this young talent. Pop's old, but you know maybe these all these young guys are keeping him young. Who knows? Now going on to our next team, at number twenty three, we have the Toronto Raptors. We we uh, this is another one that we we missed out on pretty hard. Um, Raptors actually ended up having a really good season, forty eight and thirty four. Pascal Siakam was able to have a bounce back year after his pretty poor year last year. Uh, 23 points a game for him. Eight and a half rebounds over five assists. Like he, he was really good. Randomly Gary Trent came out of nowhere. Uh, a, a personal favorite of, of me and Mike. Um, he came out of nowhere, averaged over 18 points a game for them as kind of that microwave shooter type. And of course, how can I not mention rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes, my guy out of Florida state. Uh, he showed up really well. I mean, he definitely showed his youth at times, but he definitely belongs in the league. 15 points, seven and a half rebounds, three and a half assists over a steal a game. I mean, he definitely needs to continue to work on his three point shot, but he still showed that he could be really effective. Uh, and the Raptors, you know, they're, they have a really good coach and Nick nurse. They have a really good, front office 
I'm not going to make the same mistake of putting them as low as we did this time. Yeah, and I'm looking at OG Ananobi. Only played about half the games for him. But in the games that he did play, he was balling as a great two-way player. I mean, when I say two-way player, OG came in like as a defense-first type of player, and he's let the offense kind of grow. He hasn't done this nearly to the same extent, but a similar idea to what we saw from like Jimmy Butler, where he comes in the league and is drafted as a defensive specialist. And then year by year, we see the offense start to take shape. Over his 48 games, OG Ananobi was averaging 17 points, five and a half boards, about two and a half assists, and a combined two steals and blocks a game. Great play from him. The key, I think, for him is going to be coming back and having a healthy season this year. But if we can see a season where we're getting a majority of games played from like their their main five guys. Like this could be a very quality team next year as well. Now as for like where they'll end up on the tier list, I don't see this as a team that has championship aspirations, but it doesn't feel like a team to like bank on missing the playoffs either. Yeah, I mean they were the fifth seed. Yeah, they got dumped out in the first round, but you know they, the Sixers just had a lot more talent and more like veteran established talent. I think the Raptors will probably take another step up next year with all of their young players. All right, now moving on to number 22, we had the Charlotte Hornets. And I've got to say, this is another team. I did not think that, well, I guess long shots is probably accurate but they were still better than I thought that they would be. Um, I mean, LaMelo Ball continued to show that he is by far the best of the Ball brothers. Uh, Terry Rozier, I've never really liked Terry Rozier, but now like I've got to give him some props. I mean, he's been doing his thing. They had three guys, I mean, Miles Bridges, who we won't get into too much of that, but I mean, him... Ball and Terry Rozier all averaged right around 20 points a game. And I mean, they only got 49 games out of Gordon Hayward as well. So like, this is a team that if they'd had Hayward for longer, maybe they would have been able to push for a higher spot uh, in the conference. But yeah, I mean, the Hornets, they've got a really good offense. Um, I mean, they ranked fourth in offense this year, but their defense is is woeful. I mean, they they stood at number 25, uh allowed 115 points per game. Yeah, Hornets probably deserve to be in the long shots. Um, uh, but I think they still did a little bit better than what I was thinking that they would. Yeah, I think there were points where it was just like, okay, we are we're playing LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges. Those are our main guys and you know, that's going to be exciting to watch. I think they were sort of a fan favorite in terms of like not necessarily got people that are actively rooting for the Hornets, but the Hornets are a fun team to watch as a neutral party. Uh, Now I'm going to say a lot of that has to do with their announcers because those guys are fun. Just, I feel like more exciting than the, than the highlight reel of their season is like a compilation of their announcers freaking out. 
uh, listen to that if you haven't already. But they did show their age at times. Their defense wasn't the best, like you said. They were also among the lowest in free throw percentage as a team. Uh, not by a huge margin, but it's worth noting, I think, um, because we did see that play a, a factor in some uh, games formed down the stretch. Weren't able to like close the door like towards the end of the season. Uh, that's why they were in the uh, play-in position that they were in, eventually getting knocked out. We know that next year they'll be without Miles Bridges, and that interests me a bit. Like, I mean, that's one that was one of the best players on their team. They'll be without him. How will they respond? I think that's going to be one of the big questions for them this season, if not the biggest question. But long shot does feel appropriate to me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we had them at number 22. They technically were number 17. Uh, so in terms of how we structured our tiers, they would have just snuck in at the bottom of hopefuls. But yeah, I think long shots is probably fair enough. And moving on to another team that we put in long shots, Sacramento Kings. When I was looking at this, you know, earlier today, I was like, man, we put the Kings pretty high. But actually, like, it wasn't that bad. They ended up 24th in the league. We had them at number 21. So really not that bad. It just shows like the major, like the huge gap between the really good teams and the bad teams in the league that the Kings would have, you know, a few teams below them and they only won 30 games. Like the Kings are, are one of those interesting franchises. I, I really don't know. I mean, De'Aaron Fox, he got injured, but he was able to play a decent amount of the season. And of course, he ended up doing pretty well. I mean, his assists were down, turnovers were up a bit, and his three-point percentage, I mean, he shot below 30%. Not ideal. But the big big shocker to me was when they traded Tyrese Halliburton. They got Sabonis. This team is going to be very interesting to watch next year. Like technically, like we put them in long shots. I guess that was accurate based on where they ended up in the league, but they still kind of feel like more of a no shot to me. Like there was no shot there winning the league with the 29th best defense. Like, and then they were just middle of the pack in offense. So it's just like, yeah, not great. I, I was, that's the one thing I was waiting for. Like, are we going to talk about their dog shit defense or I think I said this when we were talking about the NBA draft before it happened. The Kings are just weird, man. Like, I I never fully understand what's happening. I never expect them to understand what's happening in Sacramento. Like, the Tyrese Halliburton trade, I still have reservations about. Their defense was atrocious. De'Aaron Fox also... Can you like become a more efficient free throw shooter? I know this is like back to back teams that have harped on free throw shooting, but seventy five percent from De'Aaron Fox is not going to cut it. Like we got to bulk that up at least ten percent. Like, well, I mean, he's shooting below thirty percent from three, so typically those numbers are correlated as well. So like, he's just got to just improve, generally speaking. True, but the problem is that because he's not that good of a three-point shooter, we know he wants to make his money attacking the basket, which is going to naturally put him at the line more over time, which means he's got to be able to capitalize there or this Kings 
or this Kings team sh- shouldn't expect to sniff the playoffs. Yeah. I, he was also on my fantasy team last year. I definitely noticed the free throws. I'm like, really? You went, <laughs> you went two for five. Like you're the point guard, bro. Come on. But yeah, Kings are one of those interesting teams, man. Another one of those teams that are, are just kind of mired in mediocrity. Washington Wizards. They ended up 21st. We had them at 20th. About as close as you can be without getting it spot on. They were 35 and 47. Of course, their star man, Bradley Beal, ended up signing that extension with them this offseason. So he's going to be there for years to come. And interestingly, he's the only player in the league who has a full like no trade clause. Literally, he is going to be a Washington Wizard for the next few seasons. Very interesting. He only played about half the games last year. He did his thing, 23 points, six and a half assists. Like he only shot 30% from three, but you know, like I mentioned before on this podcast, like he's just going to operate in that mid range area, which again, like why do they draft Johnny Davis? But whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this team pretty interesting. Um, they, they ended up making that trade shipping off Spencer Dinwiddie, who ended up being really good for the Mavericks. You know, they've got Porzingis now, and I mean, in limited games, like he actually played pretty well. I've got to say, I mean, almost nine rebounds, 22 points per game, one and a half blocks. Like he seemed a little bit rejuvenated. We'll see what a full season of Beal and Porzingis looks like. I can't say that I'm too optimistic, but I feel like long shot, probably where they belonged and probably where they're going to be for the foreseeable future. No, I, I agree. Let's get that one out of the way for our... 2022 preseason tier list like if you have players like Beal and Porzingis you can't say they're no shot right but like what about Washington sets any sort of precedent for us to put them any higher than that I mean this is just a middling team on offense mainly because they give the ball to Beal he shoots and if it goes in a lot then they have a good chance of winning and if not they don't really have an alternative I mean what are they going to do? Give the ball to Kyle Kuzma in the 66 games he plans on playing for him, which is like the most on the team aside from KCP shout out to him, but to the wizards credit, because this is something that we haven't been able to say for a, a couple of years, they were also middling on defense, which is an improvement for them. So good job there. Something else that caught my eye with the wizards is they had a winning record at home. Uh, technically 21 and 20 uh it's on the road that they uh they couldn't get it together 14 and 27 in their road games uh so basically winning one of every three games they play away from home a lot of that is going to come down to veteran leadership but if, if you're the wizards i feel like this is as good as you could have expected to do realistically i'm i'm interested in a full season of Beal and porzingis or as close as we'll get because it would be naive to assume that either of them are going to play 80-ish games, let alone both of them. All right. Number 19, uh, the second in our long shot category, we have the New Orleans Pelicans. They came in 20th, uh, the 20th best record in the league. We had them at number 19. Again, just one off Pelicans and Wizards. We were close. Uh, they made that trade for CJ McCollum, which is going to be really interesting moving forward. I think that's Probably a, a good move for them overall. I mean, getting a guy who's a little bit older, still very productive, um, can kind of be a, a leader on this really young team. 
I like that move. I mean, they have like, it's so weird. They have really good players. It just doesn't seem to work out for the Pelicans every year. Uh, news came out today that EJ Liddell tore his ACL, their second round pick. It's like if you're drafted by the Pelicans, chances are something bad's going to happen to you. Um, it's just is what it is. Maybe it's some of that New Orleans voodoo stuff. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I mean, Brandon Ingram, like he had a really good season, 23 points a game, um, over five rebounds and assists. Like he's still going to be a really good player for you on the offensive end, especially. Uh, Herbert Jones came out of kind of nowhere. I mean, I definitely highlighted him uh, when they drafted him in the second round last year, but he came out of nowhere to start 69 games for them this year, which I don't think people could have really expected. Um, had a really good impact on defense, especially he's going to be a good piece for them. Of course, everybody's looking at Zion did not play at all last season. I think we expected him to come back at some point. Uh, He did not, but he got that big old rookie, like max extension, whatever um, this off season, apparently he's fully healthy. So maybe we'll see the return of Zion next season. And if we do, I mean, I think, you have to put the Pelicans a little bit higher than this, especially with the full season of McCollum, Ingram. I mean, Valanciunas had a really good season for them as well. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if the Pelicans can finally capitalize on all these really talented players that they have. It just seems like they haven't really been able to put it all together yet. When we were talking about the Wizards, I mentioned like, oh yeah, winning record at home, but they need to get it together when they go on the road. The Pelicans... I'm not seeing any sort of positive trend. Like they had a losing record against the West. They had a losing record against the East. They had a losing record in their division. They had a losing record at home and on the road. Like in any sort of like way that you want to break it down, they had a losing record pretty much. Unless you're looking at, oh, the last 10 games, they were six and four. Ooh. Can I be disrespectful for a second? You know who's getting too much love? Jose Alvarado. <laughs> like, someone's got to say it, and I guess it's going to be me. This man is trying to make a career out of being the next Patrick Beverly. And it's funny, I guess. Like, every now and then a clip will pop up where he gets those, like, inbound steals or whatever. But can we not pretend that he's like the next great defensive guard like he's just kind of doing cheeky things and like not adding a ton of production i mean to me i i I haven't seen anybody saying that about him i mean to me he's just more of like that cult hero type of guy (laughs) like who fans of the pelicans can really like rally around like oh yeah jose alvarado like He's not like he's he's small, like he's scrappy, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's kind of like how Cleveland fans like Del Vadova, but like <laughs> Alvarado doesn't like intentionally try to injure anybody. So it's different. Also, I, I saw that he was trying to make a comeback into the NBA and I'm like, dude, stop. Nobody wants you. Go home. We, we, we don't want you here. I mean, I guess when you frame it like that, I'd rather Alvarado than Del Vadova. But I just had to get that off my chest. Next up. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, uh, can we skip this one? Okay. Well, uh, it, it's the it's this, the last of our long shots and the last 
that we're going to cover on this episode. So sadly, no, but I wish. So we have to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies, who we had as the 18th best team and who finished with the second best regular season record. That one hurts. Uh, They won just over two thirds of their games at 56 and 26, 30 and 11 at home, 26 and 15 on the road. Like everywhere you look, it's good. The opposite of the Pelicans. Uh, John Morant going berserk. A great season from Desmond Bain. Jaron Jackson playing well. Yeah, and staying healthy for once, too. And staying healthy. (laughs) Yep. Playing that defense. Dylan Brooks. Like, they have built something in Memphis there. I think that we just thought that maybe they were a year further away than they actually were. Uh, This team just ended up maturing. I mean, even when you look at how old these guys are, I mean, John Morant and Jaron Jackson, 22. Desmond Bain, D'Anthony Melton, 23. I mean, Brandon Clark's 25. Dylan Brooks is 26. Tyus Jones, 25. Like, the elder statesmen were Steven Adams and Kyle Anderson at 28 years old. Like, this is still one of those young teams, kind of like we were talking about with the Thunder or the Rockets or the Magic, except the Grizzlies, these guys are all actually ready for prime time. Like, they're playing winning basketball, and it's a well-balanced team. I mean, you'll where they finished offensively. They were Number two, only behind the Timberwolves, and that was 0.3 points per game away. On the defensive end, they have some room for improvement, but still like 12th. That's almost a top 10 defense. Uh, That's not bad. I think they're going to continue to improve that. Uh, They've got guys who are willing to do the work on the defensive end, which is important. The Grizzlies, obviously, they ended up losing to the Warriors in uh, the conference finals, which, fair enough, Warriors won the whole thing, but... Yeah, definitely they came of age a lot earlier than we expected. And like, I'm happy to see it. Mark my words, they will not be long shots next season. Oh, certainly not. I mean, in addition to having the second best offense, they also, their defense was top half of the league. Even if they didn't shoot phenomenally well from three-point range, they they outshot their opponents. Uh, They forced more turnovers than they gave up. Did a good job taking care of the ball. All of this is a reflection on Taylor Jenkins and the great job he did coaching this team. The only thing I can really fault him for is why is your team the third worst in free throw shooting? Like barely over 70%. Get it together. But Mike hates poor free throw shooting. I hate poor free throw shooting. It's free for a reason. I think the reason that I hate poor free throw shooting. Okay, my 15-second-ish spiel. If I look at a box score at the end of a night and see someone shot three of eight from the free throw line or whatever, I'm like, you know what? It happens. You know, like sometimes the moment hits you. Sometimes you get in your own head, you know, whatever. But then I look at it at the end of the season and I'm like, when you're among the worst out there at it, whether I'm looking at a specific player or a team, I'm like, those add up. Uh, Not just in an individual game, but over the course of the season. And that is often a reflection on coaching. We'll see some coaches prioritize that more than others in practice. There are some coaches in the NBA that don't really stress it in practice. 
Conversely, there are coaches that make all of their players hit 100 before they leave after practice. And that's sort of my point with Taylor Jenkins. I, I suspect that it's a coaching thing. But this is my one like fault on him because otherwise he did phenomenally. Yeah. Just to put a couple numbers to that, in that series against the Warriors, the uh, game six where Golden State ended up clinch, uh, yeah, clinching the series, they shot 65% from the free throw line. Uh, previous game, they shot 60%. Like They definitely could have used those those few points and you know in the regular season they have the number two offense like i feel like it's almost nitpicking to be like improve your free throw shooting but in the postseason you can really point to that as this is one of the reasons why you lost the warriors so they definitely need to improve on that next season for sure because when you face an experienced team like the warriors that have like done it time and time again these are the mistakes that they punish and in the regular season, you know, the number two offense, that'll fly, you know, but in the postseason, you have to like limit your mistakes. Otherwise, the more experienced teams will just come back and stomp on you. And that's what the Warriors did to them. For sure. But overall, Grizzlies, you massively outperformed our expectations. Uh, so shout out to y'all. Looking forward to seeing the Grizzlies next season. And that wraps up our part one of reviewing our 2021 NBA preseason tier list. Um, We did the no shots and the long shots this episode. Uh, Next episode, we're going to go through the hopefuls, the contenders, and the favorites. Once again, there'll be a few that we feel pretty good about. And (laughs) there are definitely going to be a few that we're going to be looking back at and, and uh, ruining our mistakes. But regardless, uh, Thanks for sticking with us through it. Um, When we come back, we're going to get into the hot seat uh, and the fun fact. So stick around for those. All right, and we're back as ever with the hot seat. Mike, who do we have on the hot seat this week? So this is kind of deja vu, not because of the player, but the general like situation. If you remember episode 32, we talked about Benedict Matherin. And his call out of LeBron and how he was like overconfident, right? He was like, oh, LeBron has to prove to me that he's the greatest. Well, now, not to be outdone, John Moran has come out and he was having this interview about like if he were to play in the same league as Jordan. And he said he would have cooked Michael Jordan one-on-one because no one has more confidence than 12, he says about himself. Um... Yeah, like at what, like at some point, can we just be like, yeah, Jordan was great. I'm sure it would have been a great competition. You know, you would have cooked him? Uh, I doubt it. Like, cooked? No, that's, no, that's too much. That's, that's too much. That's disrespectful. Like, it's just, why, why even take it there? why can't you just be like, oh yeah, you know, Jordan, I really respect what he's done for the game. Great player. You know, I would have liked to play against him. I think it would have been a good challenge. Uh, you know, I believe in my abilities, but you know, it's still, it's Michael Jordan. You know, he's, he's the greatest of all time for a reason. 
Uh, but no, all of these guys are just like, nah, I'll, you know, put me up against anybody. And then literally like later in the interview, like he's like, oh, put me one on one on one against anybody. He was like, who's the best in soccer? Messi? Yeah, put me in the goal like versus Messi one on one. Somebody set that up, make that happen. I'm like, I think he's kidding, but also like I can't tell. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Also, like you can't just get set up with Messi like that. Like he's way he's way bigger than you'll ever be, bro. But regardless, it just seems like these like young NBA players just do not have any respect for their uh elders. Which also, I guess you can't be too surprised, but also Jordan isn't just like some offensive star. He was all defensive team nine times. Like he's qualified to lock you up in this like hypothetical game in which you're both in your prime. For sure. So that's the hot seat for this week. Um, it's, I know it's kind of the same as last episode, but like when you say you're going to, you could, you would cook, Michael Jordan one-on-one, you can't not be on the hot seat. Unfortunately, or scratch that, fortunately for John Morant, Michael Jordan is not in his prime anymore, and therefore he'll never get exposed for not being able to cook him. On the opposite hand, you know who's not out of his prime? Dave, with the fun fact of the episode. What is it this time? All right, well, I hope to live up to that introduction. Um, All right, fun fact this week. Now, if you've ever been to school, you've probably heard of Thomas Edison before. Uh, Obviously, like, invented the light bulb, all that stuff. But I feel like for a lot of the time, it just kind of stops there. You're like, oh, yeah, like, he's the reason we have electricity or whatever, which obviously is a really big deal. But what a lot of people probably don't know is that in his lifetime, he was awarded over 1000 patents across a wide variety of technologies, 1093 to be exact. And not only that, but he had twice that many uh, filed overseas as well. So his total number of patents was 2,332 overall, which extended throughout a you know a variety of categories obviously electricity but like also like phonographs and recorded sound uh batteries mining cement motion pictures like this dude was a pioneer in so many different ways so i just got to put some respect on his name he was not just the guy who invented the light bulb and like failed so many times and all that stuff like he was actually really successful a lot of other times as well with a lot of, you know, inventions and patents that led to a lot of our technology that we have today. I feel like, okay, so 2,300 patents and then you list some bangers. There had to be some duds in there, right? Like, like, oh, this is where I, like, oh, this is where I sneezed on this window and it looked kind of cool. So I'm going to patent that in case like someone thinks it's art. You know that whoever was answering the phone at the patent office was like, you again? Like, what do you want now? Is that how you think patents work? (laughs) So it has a list of his top 100 patents, which I'm like, 
what person put together this list and went through like 2300 patents to come up with the best ones but it's literally like um patent number 909169 waterproofing paint for cement structures it's like just just the fact that they're saying like oh patent number 439391 it's like how many freaking it, it's just kind of crazy that one guy did all of that in his lifetime especially in his generation like now i'm sure it's a lot easier to to get patents because there's so much ex, like pre-existing technology but he was like kind of creating a lot of this technology from scratch so probably the best inventor of all time i feel like that's a pretty good legacy to have so that wraps up our fun fact and therefore also our episode. So I hope that you've enjoyed listening to us break down uh, part one of our 2021 NBA preseason tier list. Uh, definitely stick around, uh, subscribe to us wherever you're listening to your podcast if you haven't already to make sure you catch part two, which will be in a couple of weeks from now. Uh, but yeah, we appreciate you listening. As always, uh, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mike and Dave Pod. Interact with us there. So far, as we've gone through our tier list, have any of these team did any of these teams surprise you with how well or how poorly they performed? They probably did. Uh, yeah. Did they exceed or perhaps fail to meet your expectations? Let us know that probably on Facebook. That's the easiest for us to interact with you via the comment section. But follow us on all three. That would be nice. And leave us the five-star review. Again, in two weeks, like Dave said, we'll have part two of the tier list. But until then, this has been Mike. This has been Dave, and you've been listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. Alex.